And Danny, thank you. Wait, I think that's the one that works. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear so, me? So, Joe, I've just... Yeah, can everybody hear? Can you hear me? Ah, yes. Yes, okay. good. Hi. Uh, they're, they're just very polite. Oh, yeah. You just need to keep that super close to your, your mouth, like on your chin. <laughs> Probably in front of your chin. Okay. This is <laughs> that would be fantastic. Okay. So, Joe, where have you come from today? Uh, just from... Oh, now I'm loud. Um, from central London. Uh, so not too far, but sorry I wasn't here at the beginning. There was train delays and... Nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare. Well, thank you so I'm much here. for... Did Amber come and collect you? She did. Oh. Hero. Yay, Amber. So, Joe, what do you, what do, you do? Uh, well, many things, but I work at Tear Fund. Um, I've been there for about 11 and a half years, um, mostly working in the youth team, uh, but I've just changed roles to a theological role, looking at theology and networks across... Europe and the United States. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, spending a lot of time talking about the theology that we talk about at Tear Fund and how that should impact our own lives and how that impacts the work that we do overseas. Okay. Brilliant. So, uh, we've been partners with, with Tear Fund at St. Stephen's for a long time, and it, it's such an important thing that you guys really? are doing. So many different things. Then. So, it's, it's really good to have you here. Um, but I was told that there's one specific question that I need to ask you today. And here at St. Stephen's, we like stories because we're human beings, and human beings love a good story. I was told that I need to ask you about your eco-conversion. Okay, yes. Well, uh, I'm excited that you guys are thinking about eco-church, and uh, I'm especially glad to see your green painted walls, especially for today, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> of course. I, we do that new every week. Great, excellent. <laughs> um, so I am... Um, I spend a lot of my time talking about the environment, um, but I got to say it didn't always start that way. So nine months before I started working for Tear Fund, um, I was really excited about some visiting speakers we had at our church, um, and they always came and talked about, uh, really inspired me about God and my faith. I hadn't been a Christian very long. And um, they came and they spent about 40 minutes talking about the environment, and uh, I left church that day, and I thought, you just wasted 40 minutes of my life. <laughs> I actually thought I'm sure that. nobody here I ever am, thinks that about no, church. No, obviously, I can't imagine they do, of course. <laughs> um, I'm so ashamed to say that now. But I honestly didn't think it had anything to do with my faith, to do with my relationship with God, and no one had made those connections for me. The Bible that I read and had been taught about was very much about my own conversion, and I'd had quite a dramatic conversion. Um, I was not in a great place as a teenager, and when I became a Christian at 17, I really had a transformed life. Um, and then I began to discover, as I arrived at Tear Fund, even more so, God's passionate heart for justice for people living in poverty and then I realized um, more and more that the environmental impact that we are having is utterly undermining the lives of people living in poverty around the world and so because of a change in climate erratic rains droughts floods crops are failing we are seeing millions of environmental refugees and I suddenly realized that, gosh, if I say that I'm going to seek God's heart for justice, hmm. then that means uh, there's implications for how I live on this earth and how I care for this earth. 
And I began to understand that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And they were verses that I'd heard. And yet that really meant something for my life. Um, and in order to love God was to love his people, is to love the earth that he, his earth that he's given us. So it was quite a dramatic change for me yeah. um, from one extreme um, to the so what difference did that make in your life when you had that massive eco-conversion? How did you, how did you change? Um, it's been a painful change at points, I've got to say. I felt like I had to really rethink a lot of my life, how I consumed particularly. So I'm sure you will have heard the stat. It's a stat we hear a lot. We often don't really think about its implications. Um, if everybody in the world lived like we do in the West, uh, particularly in Europe... We would need three planets. What? So that's awkward because we only have one. Um, and it's a stat that often we don't let sink in. But there is a real reality to that. We are over-consuming. Um, and actually that kind of accounts to greed. Um, the Bible has quite a lot to say about that. Um, and so I needed to rethink, well, how much am I consuming? Where am I wasting? Um, where am I... Th- thinking about, uh, and, and this has been a long journey, I must say, this has been uh, probably um, shamefully slow, actually, over 10 years, thinking about what are the things that I throw away. So I was taught as a child, you throw things away. Well, where is away? It was in the bin, um, and, but when, where does it go? Yeah. The rubbish man come and they take it away, where's that? Well, it turns out that our rubbish either goes into landfill um, or it gets burnt, um, and then the ashes from that will then go into landfill or into hazardous waste units. Um, and all of this rubbish that we are putting into the earth uh, is just leaching toxins into the environment. So I started to think about how am I contributing to that? How can I stop? Um, how can I throw away less? So I've been on this journey towards zero waste. You've actually been doing um, the zero waste thing? Yeah. Where you, you basically throw away one plastic bag's worth of stuff every year? Um, so, well, I was saying, yeah, journeying wow. towards zero waste. So I'm not 100%, so sending nothing to landfill. But I've probably reduced my waste by about 70 to 80% in the last 18 months in a sustainable way. So I've tried to do it. You can't do it Uh, so things like using, so I've got, you know, my reusable coffee cup and my water bottle. And those are the things that have become like symbols of my worship. And so I'm saying, God, this is about honoring God with my whole life, with how I live on this earth, um, with how I love my neighbor, my global neighbor, mm. those people on the other side of the world that I'm probably never going to meet, whose lives are utterly undermined by a changing climate. This is my love of them and my honor of God. So wow. that's, yeah, one of many things. <laughs> I know. We don't have as much time as I'd, I'd, I'd like to I'd ask you loads of other questions. But um, Jo is going to be here for our um, Caring for a Creation lunch as well, where she's going to be speaking a little bit more to us. Yeah. And um, she's going to be here for the next service too. But, um, I mean, my last question was going to, my very last question was going to be, how can we be a part of our mission partnership with Tear Fund. But you've kind of answered a bit of it in what you just said yeah. in how you've been changing your life. Yeah. So, I mean, Eco Church is fab. Like, get involved more and more in that. Not just thinking about how we operate as a congregation here, but what does that look like in our own homes? 
Um, and the beginning of Lent, we are launching a new campaign, Renew Our World, um, which is really exciting. And uh, thinking about that verse in Revelation 21, that behold, I am making all things new. Um, and that word new, there's two words in the New Testament for new, uh, one of which is brand new, one of which is to renew something that is old. And that word new is to renew um, okay. that's used in Revelation. And so that's about what we're doing. So look out for Renew Our Worlds. Um, go on the TFM website. There's lots of information on there. And we're looking at food waste, particularly to start off with. And we'll be moving on to other things as well. Thank you so much, Joe. And Pleasure. thank you for being thank here. You. That's brilliant. Uh, if we go, so these two tables here, maybe plus this table, so that's three tables. So you three tables are still standing. That's sort of, maybe it was a bit too many. So, but imagine you're half, no, you're standing. That's great. Um, so 40 years ago, uh, you guys that are standing, um, are living in extreme poverty, Okay, so that's you're living on less than a pound a day or a dollar twenty-five a day, forty years ago. All right, so you guys are doing all right. You guys are living in extreme poverty. Okay, I need now the back table to sit down, um, and half of this table. Uh, so maybe Amber, if you sit down, um, that is supposed to be another. Yeah, you're still standing, Toby. Sorry about that. Uh, that. That's supposed to be another half, okay? So today, just you guys are living in extreme poverty. So what that means is in the last 40 years, we have halved the number of people living in extreme poverty around the world. That's pretty good, right? You guys can sit down. Thank you very much. Uh, not for long. I'm going to make you stand again in a minute. Um, so that's great. That's a really good thing to celebrate. Um, but there's another stout. So take your next mouthful of food. And then if you would stand again with me, that would be great. So uh, less keen to stand. That's fine. You don't need to. Um, so 40 years ago, you were all of the biodiversity that there is in the world. Okay. So uh, that's all kinds of wildlife and intricate things that I don't know all of the details of. But there's some amount of biodiversity around the world. Okay, I need, so maybe you three tables now can sit down and these three stay standing. So in the last 40 years, uh, we have halved the amount of biodiversity there is in the world. So this half is gone, extinct, not coming back. So we've done the same, so in these, and these two sets are connected. Feel free to, the rest of you to take your seats. Um, so there's maybe a graph gonna come up. Uh, perhaps. I can't remember which one's first, so I'm actually not gonna be able to say. Okay, so those two sets, as I said, are connected. So in the last 40 years, yes, we've halved the amount of people living in extreme poverty, uh, but a lot of that has come through economic growth, but that has come mostly at the cost of the environment and the cost of people living in poverty. So here is our downward trend of people living in poverty. Um, if you can read that, there's loads of incredible stats there. Um, so reducing infant mortality and disease and all kinds of rates, something to celebrate. But the trouble is now, what is happening 
is as the impact of the environment is coming worse, we're seeing the changing climate uh, that is beginning to undermine all of the development work that we have done. And we are at risk now of sending people back into poverty that they were in before, if not even more so, um, in a more permanent way, if we carry on at the rate that we are going in our overconsumption of the earth. Now, this is because many people living in poverty are living off the ground, um, subsistence farming, uh, and they're living much closer hand to mouth. And the, as the climate changes, and I think I mentioned this earlier, that about floods and droughts, uh, that is undermining their ability to produce food. And when I started at Tearfund, I had a shocking story. Uh, and we, it was when, it was very early days, people talking about climate change, particularly in development work. And we as Tearfund went around the world to all of our partners and we said, what difference is climate change making in your lives? And uh, we interviewed an 80-year-old man in Ethiopia, and he said, um, you know what, I'll tell you a story. He said, I've got a plot of land. He said, and 30 years ago, I plant my ground, and that harvest would last me for two years. So I'd have a year's worth of food to eat and feed my family, and I had a year's worth to sell, and I can send my kids to school, and I can pay for medical care. And he said, today... That same plot of land, that harvest, would last him just seven months. So five months of the year, they are reliant on aid or presumably anything that they can get their hands on to eat with nothing to sell and send kids to school and pay for medical care. Now, I am not a farmer, but uh, what happens is when particularly in those kinds of climates, you could time the rainy season coming nearly to the day. So when the rain would start, you'd plant your seed. The rains would come, your seed would grow, and you harvest your crop. What happens now? It starts to rain, plant your seed, the rains stop. Seed dries up, dies, starts raining again. You have no more seed to grow and plant because they're living in poverty. And so what you get is either a failed harvest or a hugely reduced harvest. We were talking to some people in Zimbabwe who were saying five months of the year it used to rain. Now it's only raining for three months of the year, and that's only reducing. I talked to another guy who works in West Africa, and he said he was there just last year talking to a farmer. And he was saying, I remember when we used to have a drought every ten years, and then it would come every five And then it started coming every three, and now it's one to two years. We are utterly undermining their ability to live. And this, for me, was a huge realization. Now, I knew that I needed to give financially, and that is really important. But as we give with one hand, I realized I am taking away with this massive other hand as I overconsume. And I think I said earlier, you know, we have overconsumed in ignorance, but we now know. And it is such, it's the biggest injustice that we enjoy the wealth of produce that we do, often without thinking, often causing so much waste, and yet others are unable to live. 
And so that is where, as Tearfond, we have said we need to really engage with this issue. Because if we're going to continue to lift people out of poverty, we've got to engage with dealing with the issues of climate change. Because we will never lift people out of poverty because of that tipping point we've hit. And people are going back down into poverty. And so what does that mean for me as a follower of Jesus? Someone who's called to love God and love my neighbor. Who's my global neighbor? You know, the people that I'll probably never meet, the people who make my clothes, the people who produce the food that I eat. How am I loving them in my lifestyle and in my consumer choices? And I think, and this is a lot of work that we've been, begun to do at Tear Fun is reimagining, reunderstanding. This is a part of our worship. This is a part of what it means to honor God. And so, uh, when I'm using my coffee cup and my water bottle, they become symbols to me of my worship and of my honoring of God. When I'm buying locally, when I'm trying to live my zero waste life, it becomes a part of my prayer life where I'm saying, God, your kingdom come for those people on the other side of the world. Some of them I get the privilege of meeting because I get to travel there for tear fun, although not very often. But I'm saying, God, your kingdom come for them. And I think this is the call of the church and it's the call of this generation. Previous generations did not know the impact of our behavior and future generations will not have the opportunity to change it. I listened to um, Lord Stern. Uh, you may have heard of him. He wrote the Stern Review 10 years ago, which changed the kind of global political debate around climate change. And he said, he's not a Christian, um, but he said, uh, he said, if today somebody, and it's quite a stark analogy, if someone drove a truck into a group of children, we would be up in arms, rightly so. And he said, we are doing exactly that with the climate. He's like, it's just going to hit them later in life. Next generation will not have the opportunity that we have to bring around change. In the next 10 to 20 years now, you know, and you've probably heard those sort of stats for a while, it really is crucial. The level, and we've already changed the climate so much, we're already seeing uh, environmental migrants across Europe today. That is only getting worse and will continue to do so. It's the call of the church today. Will we step up? Will we love God in loving our neighbor, in loving this beautiful earth that he's given us? So I take much hope and joy at being amongst you guys, eating food that's locally produced, um, you know, as much as possible, reducing our ways, talking about these things, because this is a part of what it means to bring in the kingdom today. It is no less than, as Claire said, you know, some are called to go to the ends of the earth. Uh, we're called to talk to our neighbors about who Jesus is. We are called to live differently on this earth and to say to the world, there's a different way. We do not need to overconsume, and we can live within the the balance and the boundaries of this earth is what it means to live the kingdom today but thank you for having me and uh, enjoy pudding i think great
shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. Turn to you.